Welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. If you'd care to join us, we record live on Mondays at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube. We generally answer a few questions from our live viewers related to whatever topic we're covering that week. And if there's a topic you'd like covered, you can also submit a request on our website, purelyocd.com. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, welcome everybody to this week's episode on Purely OCD. Today we have a special guest, Sean Flores. Um, he's here to talk about his story and advocacy work he's doing in OCD. Um, and I'm here with Lauren. Lauren, you want to introduce yourself, ma'am? Well, uh, well, here's uh, here's Sean. Here's Sean. <laughs> <I'm really glad. laughs> there you go, Sean Flores, ladies and gentlemen. Um, and obviously, like you guys know us both pretty well at this point. But uh, yeah, I'm Lauren Rosen, and I'm I'm glad to be here and glad to get to talk with Sean today and hear more about what brought him on uh, this sort of journey toward yep. mental health ad advocacy and specifically OCD advocacy and uh, really glad to have his voice as part of this community. So welcome, welcome aboard, Sean. Yeah, welcome. Well, thank you so much. It's, it's yeah. great to be able to have conversations with leading figures such as yourselves and to be part of the community has been a very interesting journey so far. And it's been in many ways, something I'm not probably used to. I was saying to two of my friends that I met the other day that if it wasn't actually for having OCD, I probably wouldn't have been able to make the friends and to make the connections that I've made. So one thing I always say is in spite of everything that's happened as a result of OCD, I'm grateful for number one, the opportunities, the connections, the friendships I've been able to cultivate. And it's another chapter and a story in my life. And I'm, I'm planning my book next. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Amazing. But I love, yeah, I love that. It's so true. Like, you know, I talk think about we making... all say that, right? We always say that, like the community is the best part of the OCD. Yeah. yeah, gratitude. Gratitude is everything. And I try to always remind myself that in spite of suffering, there's something to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Sean, why don't you, I know we've met and we've talked, the three of us in, you know, behind closed doors, but I'm wondering uh, what you would want to tell our our viewers and our listeners about your story, um, whatever you feel comfortable with, of course, um, because I'm sure there's people out there who could really benefit from hearing your story specifically. Yeah, I, I'm, I always say to people, I'm willing to come to any interview, any podcast, any article that I write, I come 100% honest. And I come 100% honest because I know that speaking authentically the truth is somebody else's you know, healing. So yeah, I can start with my journey. So when I look back at my life, I was saying this to a lot of people, the more and more I speak about my story, it's a cathartic experience in the sense of, 
I no longer am a prisoner to my past. I'm no longer a prisoner as much to OCD as I once was. But the more I speak about it, it's the more I realize OCD has probably been an even more present figure in my life than I actually ever anticipated and I actually ever realized. And how I think it started was it started through health anxiety. And my health anxiety, I was obsessed, obsessed with this idea that I always had a sexually transmitted infection from previous um, encounters where individuals had lied to me about certain things. And what happened was when I went to the toilet, I had caught chlamydia. And when I went to wee every single time, I became obsessed with this idea that if it hurt a little bit, it meant I had something. And every single time I had to go to the clinic, I had to rush off. I canceled all my plans in the day. I had to make sure I had the answer that proved I didn't have anything. So what happened as a result of that was um, at my worst, I paid £300 for a same-day test just to prove I didn't have anything. Because when the oh. results would come, no matter what I did, I'd be like, no, I, it, it hasn't happened in the right time period. They haven't got enough blood. And mm-hmm. they, they actually asked me in the clear. They said, why do you keep coming back? And I said, I don't really know. So that kind of fear migrated and it left, but it moved on to um, HIV. That was my new sudden fear. It was a fear that came out, out of absolutely nowhere. But I said, oh, that's all right. I'm not going to bother about that. Then what happened was a couple of years later, when I was working in a um, in an addiction clinic, um, when the service users were speaking and they spoke about suicide, someone had committed suicide, I just remember having these obsessive, intrusive thoughts about suicide that I couldn't get rid of. And I swore to myself I'd never, ever go back to that clinic because I was so triggered. I went home to my room and I just cried. I didn't want to be around anyone or anything. And I never returned to the clinic. So that was, I think, another encounter with somewhat probably suicidal OCD or maybe trigger I don't I'm not really too sure then what happened after that was I remember I was used to go to the gym I used to work out but then one morning after waking up from from my sleep I had this dream and in this dream I saw the back of a white guy and I saw boxes but I woke up 100% convinced I was gay nobody could tell me anything I believed that to have these thoughts or to have the dream like that therefore meant that was 100% my newfound sexuality. That same morning, I threw up um, in my bathroom. I went around looking for evidence. I constantly tried to seek evidence to prove what was it that, what was my what was my sexuality, essentially. I was thinking, is it this? Is it that? And at the time, I was doing fashion modeling. So I was considerably slimmer than I am now. Now I like to lift a little bit more weight. But at the time, I was getting a lot of um, male attention. And I thought that I was getting male attention, which meant, that I must have been gay because they were noticing something about me that I wasn't noticing about myself. Naturally. So I, was, I was trying to make up all these different reasons, all these different answers, all these different certainties in my head and nothing worked. If I went to the sauna, steam room, I'd sit there and obsess and be like, the guy's got a good looking body. That means I'm gay. That means this, that means this, that means that. I would have command intrusive thoughts around one of my friends. Every time we used to go shopping, it would be kiss him, kiss him, kiss him. And I'd be sitting there just ruminating in my head over and over and over again. And when I actually got really high on cannabis, I actually spoke to my friends and I said to them, I think I'm gay, you know. And I said, it's, it's okay if you are. But then something snapped for me. Something was like, I know I'm not, but I can't hmm. get rid of the idea. It was like as if they threw logic back at me, but I couldn't, again, get rid of it. But then what happened after this, and this was the penultimate moment that led to my, the, yeah, the penultimate moment that led to my breakdown, was when I was with one of my female friends. Um, 
the word rape popped into my head and I just had a huge panic attack. I became massively terrified. I screamed at her to leave. I was convinced I must have been hearing voices. So um, I tried to sleep it off. And when I tried to sleep it off, suicide and um, killing images all popped into my head. And I was like, there's something wrong. So I called the mental health team. They told me that, um, and but I thought I was going to be okay. So I tried to see a psychodynamic therapist. And if anyone knows psychodynamic therapy just makes that a hundred times worse. I came back from therapy feeling, I would have rather have not gone to psychodynamic therapy. Yeah. And I remember I said to my therapist, I believe I have OCD and this therapy is not helping me, but she wanted me to keep coming. But I should have known my boundaries and not gone. But at the time I was desperate for help. My mind was in a very terrible place. Then after that, when I was out with one of my friends, I had an intrusive thought about harm. So fighting someone on the bus randomly, had a big breakdown. But I said, no, I'll be okay. I've been here before. Nothing for me to worry about. But then we went to a shop and then the suicide image popped into my head and the suicide's word popped in. And I lost it. I jumped in an Uber, super depressed, called all my friends and I looked at them dead in the eyes and I told them, I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. I no longer wanted to be alive. And it was for that next for the next couple of days, it was a real struggle to do anything. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to sleep. My existence was just tiring. I, I wanted the time to swallow me up. I didn't want to do anything. And then it was on Saturday, the 4th of June last year, via the algorithm. I don't know how I found the therapist, but I found this woman called Emma Garrett, the anxiety whisperer, and hmm. I messaged her, begged her for a phone call. And when she picked up the phone, I just started crying. I just absolutely cried my eyes. I said, what's wrong with me? Why am I having the thoughts that I'm having? Am I gay? Am I a rapist? Am I suicidal? She was like, no, you have OCD. And <laughs> I yeah. am I going to get better? Am I going to get better? What's wrong mm -hmm. with me? Why am I having this? She said, Sean, we will get you better. And mm -hmm. we started therapy on a Monday. And it was one of the toughest years of my life last year, recovering from OCD. But I'm very grateful to be where I am. I'm able to tell my story now. And uh, I still live with the thoughts. I still have the thoughts. Even yesterday, I had a massive anxiety attack out of nowhere. I was sweating. I was lightheaded. Um, I felt like I was going to pass out. But I remembered I've been here before. We're not going anywhere. We keep doing what we're going to do. And it eventually leaves. So, yeah, that's a little bit about my story with OCD. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. It's It sounds like you've tasted the rainbow of varieties of subtypes of OCD, right? But we all know OCD is OCD, no matter what the content. Um, I'm so glad you found Emma. She's an excellent human and therapist, sure clearly. Yeah. Um, can you, would you be willing to tell us a little bit about this journey of like, not only being a male, but a black male and reaching out like I don't know what it's like in your family or really you know I'm ignorant to all of this but like was it hard for you to reach out and get so, the help yeah so what happened for me was prior to seeing the therapist that I saw I, I had this belief that only a what I'm a black therapist could help me which is understandable based on the culture and sometimes I think we need to have people that look like us so we can relate and have understanding but when you're in dire straits you're willing to take help from anyone who sees you as a human being. So, at the, and the, the therapist that I reached out to was private. I actually still owe her money. So I was really lucky that she was able to help me because the NHS or the National Health Service over here in the UK, they weren't able to help me at the time due to the waiting list. And they had recommended to me a book called Breakthrough from OCD. But when you're in an OCD episode, you have no, no, mm -hmm. no um, capacity to read or absorb any sort of information. 
So what happened was when I, f- I wrote my story, what happened, I was still during my recovery with my therapist, I was still in a really bad place. I was suffering really badly with anxiety. And one day I was waking, I woke up and I was like, I'm schizophrenic. I, I was all these new, I thought I had borderline personality disorder, bipolar. I was self-diagnosing myself, typically how you do with anxiety. Yeah. And then I just literally said to myself, fuck this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I said, I have a life I want to leave. Um, I have a life I want to lead. I no longer want to be depressed. I choose to no longer be depressed. I know life is going to be hard and I'm going to get better. So I went downstairs, I opened up my Google document and I just wrote my story. I wrote it. And I, from the years of modeling in the past and journalism, if anybody ever can open a door, it's me because I refuse to take no for an answer. I will email people. I will bother them. I'll go on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, anywhere you can find me. I'd rather be the guy that, it bothers people than the guy who underwhelms people. So I, I, I messaged everyone I could on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and I wrote my first story in the Book of Man, um, on on, a, on a, which is their platform. And when I released my story, I had so many people I knew personally that I've met, I've been friends with, that told me they also had OCD. Mm-hmm. All that time, I thought I was the only individual in the world number one with OCD. I thought I was the only black man with OCD, but also I just, I didn't realize there was such a community. So when I threw myself into the community, I realized, wow, there is a big gap in terms of the people who number one, who speak about OCD. And typically black people don't really speak about OCD because of our relationship with mental health institutions and how we hide our symptoms and how a lot of the cultural barriers and financial barriers change the way we access treatment. So when I had all these people reaching out to me, I just decided to make a WhatsApp group. And what I did with the WhatsApp group was just used as a recovery space. So now when we're all going through something, we message the space and we tell each other, stop ruminating, drop the rumination, or that's just an OCD theme. So it's been as much as there was a deficit. Now I'm really trying to change it in the sense of having a space where people can come to and just speak freely about their story. And our community I really needs it. Individuals such as, Valerie Andrews from the IOCDF. I remember when I watched the International OCD Foundation's documentary and I saw, wow, there's someone black in America, but I couldn't find anyone in the UK. The one guy I found in the UK was, his name was Duke Al Durham. And I messaged him and yeah, it was, it's been an incredible journey, but I realized just how hard it was for my community to speak up about OCD and just mental health in general. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And I, I think um, mental health in general for men, for like w- within, um, like, you know, you were mentioning with black culture and, and all of that, like it's, it sort of seems like a double whammy um, to, but how great that you're, you know, you're speaking up about your experience and perhaps in doing so, you know, you, you grant permission to other people to talk more openly because we suffer when our, when our experiences live in the dark, when they're secrets, right? They, they become shameful. And when we recognize, oh, I'm not the, to your point, like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, uh, yeah, that that's where healing happens is in community. Um, I thought it was really interesting not to totally change gears, but, you know, I wanted to ask, um, one of the things I, I find really fascinating about OCD, um, because it comes up in a lot of different subtypes, is that 
that theme of, oh, everybody else knows something that I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. Like everyone else is in on this and that's why, right? Like I, you were mentioning with a sexual orientation OCD, but it certainly comes up in the context of relationship OCD as well. Um, and I think it can come up in all sorts of things like POCD. Well, like, why is that child avoiding me? Right? Like, does it mean something mm -hmm. about me? Maybe they know, maybe I'm creepy. Maybe. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by that. And I'm wondering if, you know, if there's anything more that you had to share about that, because I think it's probably something a lot of people go through. Yeah. So I, I read, when I wrote an article, I wrote an article for a magazine called Happy Form Magazine called Finding Happiness in OCD Suffering. And I was speaking about how when I beat one theme, sexual orientation, I did my exposure work for it, that left, then harm came. When mm -hmm. harm left, POCD came. And when POCD <laughs> came, another one came. It was like whack-a-mole. It kept it's the plagues. It's Absolutely. <laughs> it kept Even the other day when I was seeing my friends, I remember... Some of the thoughts that was going through my head were when they weren't speaking to me or when one of them wasn't looking at me when they were speaking was, they don't like me. What am I doing here? And I was like, oh, there right. it goes again. Mm. We're just not going to engage with it. So I, I, I often say to people that I know probably I make it look easy, but I still have my internal struggle. It's just I know how to now react to it. But I've had whack-a-mole. It's gone all over the place. When one can't get my attention, a new one will try and get my attention. And it, it keeps trying to reinvent the wheel. But I do think my brain is at a point now where it's a bit like, God, we really can't get his attention. So we're going to try an anxiety attack. And the anxiety attack was um, funny because it was freezing cold, but I was sweating. Yeah. As I was sweating as if I had gone for a run. And I realized I was mm -hmm. having an anxiety attack when I felt lightheaded. I felt a bit woozy. I, was, I just wanted to run home. I had slight depersonalization and derealization. So yeah, I, I've had the themes change all the time, but at the moment, my current two main themes that I would say I live with on a day-to-day -day basis or that pop in every now and then is harm, OCD, and sexual orientation. But also, as you said, speaking on the idea of everyone else is in it, but I don't know. When I was getting a lot of male attention, I didn't, I, it, it, I, if, if any, if I knew, if I could look back at the younger me and realize, Sean, that's OCD. I would have saved myself avoidance. I avoided things like the plague. I avoided watching movies. I avoided friends. I avoided so many different things. And I didn't realize at the time I was only making it stronger and stronger and reinforcing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've had themes constantly go up and down. And the best way to describe it is whack-a-mole OCD. And I think for most of us that live with OCD and you guys who treat people with OCD as well, you've probably seen themes keep going all over. Well, oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> and we live with it too, Sean. Don't forget. Don't forget. Yeah. No, it's so true. In fact, I, I loved that my my own therapist years ago told me, he's like, that's that's your OCD getting desperate. It's try it's like it's oh, we can't to your point, we can't get her this way. But yeah. like she's still like she's mm -hmm. got the anxiety. It must mean something. What about this? Or what about this? And it's like grasping at straws. Um and the beauty of it, as you were saying, is that it gives you a little bit more insight into, oh, look, it's another thought. Because when it's hopping around like that, it's so clear. You're like, oh, this isn't about the content. This is about this is about fear. And this is about uncertainty. Yeah. It Absolutely. sounds a certain way. It feels a certain way. Yes. And then you go, yes. mm, even with a panic. I remember when I was obsessed with depression. Depression was my new oh, theme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I remember 
I, I was going to training because I tore my ACL in football. So last year was a crazy year, to, I often say to people. Yeah. OCD was one thing. I got diagnosed with OCD. Then I tore my major knee ligaments in my right leg. So the ACL, MCL, meniscus fractured. Then I ended up in hospital for three days with pneumonia. I had gone up on antidepressants. The thoughts were getting worse. I had like the racing orbit thoughts. I couldn't mm -hmm. sleep for a very long time properly because of the thoughts and because of the anxiety. The anxiety was so high for months. I was anxious about sleeping. I was anxious about not sleeping. I was anxious about waking up in between my sleep. I was anxious about everything you could possibly find. I had made my existence an anxious existence. And then my my cousin got murdered, then my auntie died, then my half-brother died. So all these things just adding up, adding up. So the OCD was in some ways one of the, it was my biggest worry, but I had things that were just mounting on top of me. So, and, and I was saying to some of my friends that, when I had the depression obsession, I remember I had this sinking feeling, this anxious feeling, and I was trying to find the answers. I'm like, and then I came to the conclusion, I'm depressed. So I was like, I need to be at home. I need to be in my bed. I need to be doing this. And I listened to a podcast by Kimberly Quinlan, and it was talking about um, depression. Sometimes when you are obsessed with depression, you end up acting like you are therefore depressed, which in turn makes you depressed. So when I listened to that, I was like, we're obsessing. And then I typed into my little WhatsApp group, um, guys, I'm depressed. And people were like, Sean, drop rumination, drop it like it's hot. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. so it's my favorite, they, by the way, I say that all the time, drop it like it's yeah, hot. They, like they, I would say they called me out and um, it was the accountability and the responsibility was what, which is what I really and truly needed. So yeah. OCD really does know how to try and capture your attention. Yeah. Well, even with depression though, we don't want to, act depressed, right? Like we want to get outside. We want to do the opposite of what depression wants because then we'll make it stronger. So you've, the last year has been truly, it's like the, it's like the, the poster child for overcoming adversity, really. Like you are, you are truly living proof that you can overcome so much. The human mind is so resilient. So thank you for being such a strong voice in this community. We need you here for sure. No, absolutely. I, yeah, well, the more, I even got a message today from someone who listened to one of my podcasts and he just said, thank you. And from every message I get from people, I realize just how important the work is that I'm doing. You know, I don't do it for myself. I do it to help other people. And Mm -hmm. I know the darkness. I, I always say to people, I know the darkness that OCD left me and I know the the place I considered suicide. I wanted to take my life. I was contemplating how to do it. I wrote suicide notes and I'm still thankful to be alive to this very day and putting in those very small practices such as journaling in the morning, journaling in the evening, back in the gym, working out has given me my life back. But I often say to people, OCD can take you from your take you but I'm determined to be the worst thing to ever happen to OCD. So I've been mm. doing a lot of activism, advocacy for mental health in general with the niche obviously being OCD. I'm, I, I've, I was recently on a trial looking into the therapeutic capabilities of psilocybin with OCD as well. So mm. that's also really exciting. I'm working with UCL at the moment to develop a toolkit looking at the neuroimaging of the brain with OCD. Mm. I'm delivering another TEDx talk on psychedelics and the potential mental health revolution that it could bring about for people because psychedelics have been massively helpful for me. And that's just a caveat. I think I should always caveat my point because um, 
I think sometimes in attempts for us to become, to, to heal, we look for so many different alternatives. And we know that CBT, ERP is the gold standard. There's inference-based CBT, which is now coming out as well. Mm-hmm. And antidepressants help. Um, but I'm, I'm lucky enough to start weaning myself of antidepressants now. I'm, I'm come from 50 milligrams of sertraline down to 25 and I'm alternating every another day. And um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a really lucky space, but it's testament to the journey I've been on. But I'm really grateful to the community and the therapist who essentially saved my life and gave me back hope when I had none. Mm-hmm. So the least mm-hmm. I can do is give hope to other people who are listening to this and who feel as if they cannot get their life back. You can, I promise you can. It takes hard work, but you can recover. And I remember when I was at the worst of OCD, I said to my therapist, I want the thoughts to go away. I want them to go away. And what I realized was when I wanted them to go away, they wouldn't leave because I was giving them the space and the urgency in my head without realizing the issue ultimately was my response to it. Mm -hmm. Always, always my response. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So well said. Um, and I had a question for you, but then it poofed out of my head. Yeah. Goodbye. Goodbye. <clears throat> I'll come back if it's meant to. Maybe, 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 maybe it'll be good for me to ask both of you a question. What sure. ultimately inspires and informs your work that you do with OCD? Like we know the community is a massive community. There's a whole host of therapists out there, but what inspires you and what informs your work? It's a great question. Kelly, do you want to take it first or shall I? I can do it. Um, great question. Maybe you should have a podcast, Sean. <laughs> I did. I, but before my mental health breakdown, okay. I, I was doing it. I'm, I'm going to get back to it. That's the plan. Good. We're excited for you to do that. We need your voice. Um, for me, it's just been a really long road of depression, anxiety, and OCD. And um at one point, a very serious suicide attempt that kind of rocked my world. And I woke up out of that and um, was very determined to get my life back. And I had gone through so many therapists for for years. I mean, I like jumped from probably, I've probably had 15 therapists, honestly. And I went back to school because I was like, I got to figure out what's going on with my mind, number one and heal myself if I want to be a better person. And number two, I want to be able to be the therapist that can really understand what it's like to have pain because the therapists I were seeing, it felt like I was just a number. Like they were just taking my money. There was nothing personal about it. It was like, oh, let's analyze your dreams. I'm like, fuck my dreams. Like, relate to me, like be, (laughs) right? Like be a human and show me your suffering a little here. So I know I'm not the weirdo in the room. So a lot of my work is like, you're, we're going to get through this and we're going to do it together where I'm going to be in the trenches with you. So yeah, that's kind of my story. Well, I, I appreciate what Kelly had to say. And I I think probably what I have to say about being, what inspires me in this work is probably going to sound very similar in many respects. Although of course our stories are different. Um, I think I went for so many years, not knowing how to navigate my brain. Uh, I, 
didn't know I had OCD until I was 24. I started having symptoms in retrospect, much like you, Sean, at about the age of seven. And it was such a painful and isolating experience. It was, there was so much helplessness in it. Uh, I actually, honestly, one of the reasons that, but like, aside from the therapeutic work that I do, uh, one of the things that I'm so passionate about, about the podcast, about work on Instagram and other social media platforms is that the, re- the, the fact that we're not talking about this as a society makes me batty, right? Like we could very easily institute a course in childhood that says like, okay, here's what's happening in your mind. Mm-hmm. Here's how to, and cause it's not about just OCD. It's like, everybody has thoughts, everyone has feelings and everyone responds to them from time to time in ways that are more or less helpful. And so I think providing education about that is something that is deeply meaningful and personal to me because I don't want, I don't want other people to feel alone like I did. And that isolation that both of you spoke to where, you know, you are stuck, you are stuck in this loop and all you want to do desperately is to try to figure it out so you can get back to living your life. And you don't know any other way. It's like, that's the only solution. And so I think the reason that I ultimately, I was always interested in becoming a therapist but I never knew what kind of therapy I wanted to do. I'd been in talk therapy for years. And then I went to therapy for OCD and it changed my freaking life. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. So, I mean, there are so many reasons. I I do find the the brain endlessly fascinating and helping other people and connecting with other people. Um, But a lot of it is, is informed by by my own experience, I think that, um, out of pain comes, can come a lot of beauty and, um, and that's been a part of my own healing journey as well. It's like, I'm going to turn this in this suffering into something useful, um, and help other people. So there you go. Absolutely. I agree to repurpose your pain and to turn it into something to help other people. And, that is what I'm trying to do. So train as a life coach. I'd like to go on to train as a therapist at some point. I was actually even talking to my friends about applying to move to America because I feel America are having more progressive conversations than the UK. But then someone made a point to me that we need more progressive conversations in the UK about OCD. So that's something else that I'm really considering. And you're right that we need courses from younger. I was reading a uh, a research paper that was talking about the dire need for early intervention of OCD because if on average it takes 10 to 15 years for people to be diagnosed with OCD and they can be misdiagnosed if all of other illnesses under the sun if we can catch people earlier we can prevent it from being a disorder that incapacitates and really debilitates people's lives and it's shown that it is a progressive illness the symptoms crop up if you don't deal with them they get worse and a lot of people end up like that and I believe ultimately that people deserve to live a good happy life in spite of OCD and in spite of the issues that they have going on so this is why I'm just hoping that with the collaboration we're doing with the work that we're all doing individually and just everything culminatively that it ultimately will change the direction and the conversation that we're having. Yeah. Yeah. That's our hope. 
all three of our homes. I think so. I think so. Well, I'm aware of the time. Are there any other like sort of final thoughts that you would like to share with anyone who's tuning in, Sean? um, I'm sure everyone would love to hear if you have any like sort of words and all of your words are words of hope, but, um, but anything in particular that you'd like to leave people with? Well, first thing I would say to people is you're not mad. You're not crazy. There's nothing in your brain that I haven't seen. I still have my sexual orientation, OCD dreams. I had one the other day um, and I just woke up and I laughed because I was like, oh, here comes OCD again, trying to capture my attention. So if you ever feel like there's something in your brain that you just can't speak about, just best believe I've probably seen it all myself and you guys probably have seen it all yourself. So (laughs) Don't feel ashamed to speak up and to speak out. Because I remember when I, again, was going through the worst of it, the thoughts I was having, I would sit there and be like, there's no one else that has thoughts like this. No one else can have thoughts like this. It must just be me. And I think sometimes living with OCD and any sort of anxiety slash compulsive disorder, we believe we're the only ones, but it's way more common than we could ever think. There's millions of us out there in the world in general that have it diagnosed and also undiagnosed. So yeah and my dms are open i often i often say to people feel free to message me i'm going to always reply and try as best as i can to have a conversation to let you know that you can recover it does take hard work but hard work makes it harder not impossible and it's from working through that is i think is very important but also we're living in a promising time for ocd treatments we've got as i said i was on the psilocybin trial which is the psychoactive ingredient in magic mushrooms looking at its therapeutic capabilities on OCD. We've got other psychedelic treatments coming out. We've got more treatments coming out in terms of other medication, other types of therapy. I know at times it can feel as if your world will never get better, but it will get better. And I think from you speaking your story, if you're out there and you're sitting in silence, you don't have to be an advocate. You don't have to be an activist. You can speak your story to yourself. You can tell the people around you that love you, but best believe you are not mad. You are not crazy. You just have OCD. And from realizing that, given you a, if you ever get a diagnosis and you get a placement in the world, it can give you the steps to push forward to get back on your life. And I wish these are the things that I really needed to hear. And my therapist was really lucky and I was really lucky enough to have the therapist that I had to give it to me. So that's the advice I'd ultimately give to people. And I just can't tell people enough. I know sometimes people leave with, with you know, wishy-washy words, but you cannot lose hope. If you lose hope, then, you know, it's going to, yeah, ultimately hope is all that you have, but you can get better. And yeah, all my social media is T-H-E-S-H-A-U-N-F-L-O-R-E-S on all social media accounts. So yeah, my okay. DMs are open. That's the Sean Flores, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and I'm I'm partially blocking his face right now. Sorry, man. (laughs) Yeah, we talked about the the banner would block him a bit. Uh, Sean, it's such an honor to have you on and to share your story and to hear it again. And I hope we get to meet you in San Francisco this year. Um, Yes, I'm looking. I'm looking to come to the conference. It's just I need to figure it out. Well. Maybe we can, you can find a way to get the IOCDF to somehow like uh, sponsor you so that you don't have, because this stuff's expensive. Again, why Lauren and I do the podcast actually is to offer free help because I know when I needed therapy, I didn't have the money to do that. Um, So yeah, 
that was a little bit of a sidetrack. But yes, if we don't meet in San Francisco, hopefully soon. Somewhere, no, somehow. Definitely. The internet is the first step. That's <laughs> right. Step. <laughs> and thank you all for joining us today. Um, and thank you again, Sean. Uh, it's such a, an honor to have you on and to, to get to hear you talk about, about your experience and your, your hope and recovery. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD.